0: Live from now by the river! Starring Mike, Mike. Murray. This is Vesonel. 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 By the numbers. Numbers. Numbers.
1: Beep beep, coming through. Baby driver on the plane. Some stats, and that's it there's the opening haiku for you guys we are covering episode 955 of saturday night live this is snl by the numbers i'm your host mike murray of the snn joined again by the talented the wickedly funny victoria franzo welcome back to the show
0: (laughs) your haiku made me laugh uh thanks for having me i'm excited to be here on taylor swift's birthday who i know is your bestie so excited to be celebrating with
1: you yeah this is holy ground this is a this is a big day um, turning 34 today taylor swift <laughs> and for the first time on the by the numbers podcast he has a podcast of his own it's very great it's called the not ready for prime time podcast it's gary seeth hey
2: mike thank you thank you very much for having me i'm looking forward to it i love Absolutely. the you.
1: <laughs> oh thanks yeah just every week and this week i forgot so that was written five minutes before air so impressive yep the haiku improv skills are getting better as the season goes on um so yeah we're we're uh, we're at a good point in the season i think we have christmas episode with kate coming up and then the break for new year and gary how have you felt about season 49 so far
2: uh so far i've really enjoyed it to be honest, uh, some of these hosts I wasn't that familiar with going into their episodes. Uh, but then, like Nate Bergazzi, I didn't really know. I knew a little bit. And I loved his episode. And I felt like it's been pretty consistent all season.
1: Yeah, I think Nate's my favorite so far. Uh, Victoria, what about you? What's your favorite so far?
0: Probably Bad Bunny. But that's more for the cultural moments in there for me. It's very good. Relatable. Felt seen, felt heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you didn't catch that by the numbers, we did a stat that maybe we'll do again if we have a bilingual episode, but we did what percentage of that episode was in Spanish. So that was fun. Don't get to do that too, too often. Um, and then, yeah, Victoria, have you felt that this season has been consistent or does it typical SNL ups and downs?
0: I feel like it's typical SNL ups and downs. It just really depends on who's coming on board, but that's to be to be expected. But nothing too rocky. It's all gravy.
1: All right. Well, let's look at the screen time from the Adam Driver, Olivia Rodrigo episode. Victoria, take it away.
0: All righty. All right. King of the night and of my heart, host Adam Driver leads the way at 21 minutes and 59 seconds. Second place goes to the one and only Heidi Gardner at 9 minutes and 49 seconds. Third place is Weekend Update host slash hunk. Colin Jost at 8 minutes and 55 seconds. Mikey Day, not night, follows him at 8 minutes and 34 seconds. Musical guest and owner of a driver's license, Olivia Rodrigo, is at 7 minutes and 57 seconds. Other Weekend Update host slash hunk, Michael Che, is at 6 minutes and 26 seconds. SNL's Little Prince, Marcelo Hernandez, comes in at 6 minutes and 5 seconds. A uh, street ballerina of the night. Sorry, that was a bad joke. Chloe Feynman is at 5 minutes and 26 seconds. Bowen Yang at 4 minutes and 4 seconds. Sarah Sherman at 4 minutes and 31 seconds. Ega Wodum at 4 minutes and 2 seconds. Followed by Andrew Jasmukes at 3 minutes and 43 seconds. And Chloe Trost just behind him at 3 minutes and 42 seconds. Keenan Thompson at a whopping two minutes and 46 seconds, question mark, exclamation point. Molly Carney, just shy of two minutes, at one minute and 59 seconds. James Austin Johnson at one minute and 49 seconds. Mikey Longs at one minute and 27 seconds. Iconic surprise cameo by Julia Stiles at one minute and 13 seconds. Sigh. Then we have Punky Johnson at 26 seconds and Devin Walker at just 18. Of course, last but not least, there's legendary Steve Higgins at 18 seconds.
1: Thank you, Victoria. And Gary, do you have a cast member of this list that you want to highlight, either either because they were exceeded your uh, eye test with screen time or maybe they made a bigger influence than you would have thought with limited screen time?
2: You know, I... I was not expecting Chloe Trost to be so low, uh, I think because she was in the cold open and and that was really hot for her. Like She was really good in that and had a lot of screen time, so I was expecting that number to be higher than it apparently is.
1: Yeah, and Chloe probably would have been the bottom of the list had it not been for the infamous last-minute change that we experienced last week. Victoria, did you have any thoughts on the cold open and chloe trost um pinch hitting right there
0: uh i was surprised i mean not really i think she's a rising star so quickly like seeing a lot of her so quickly out the gate uh it does feel a little low for some reason but i think it's probably because she did a good job of being whatever version of that (laughs) representative on on camera but yeah it's uh very exciting or interesting, I should say, to see how much of her we're we're getting.
1: Yeah, we got her first live from New York at Saturday night. It was also the first of this season to not be a solo because Molly and Keenan jumped in um, to say those iconic words with her. So always, that was probably my favorite part of the cold open. To be honest, was just seeing a rookie get to say those words because I imagine if you are lucky enough to be one of the 164 give or take people on the show to say live from New York for the first time is huge. I remember uh, Denny Dillon did uh, SNL stories on this podcast and um, mentioned that that was something that she remembered for the rest of her life. It was, I think the season six premiere that Denny Dillon got to yell that to start the show and she never forgot it. So I'm sure Chloe will not either, but Victoria, do you want to talk about any cast members on this list?
0: I do. Keaton Thompson being at two minutes and 46 seconds is surprising, but also not surprising if you've been listening to our show the last couple of weeks. I I think people are, I I say he's kind of getting ready to move on or maybe take a backseat of on the show, but also part of me thinks he's going to hang on to season 50. So it's really interesting that he's just getting low and lower on the screen time list as we continue throughout the season
1: i'm glad you brought up keenan because i'd love to ask gary who's the first timer on this show keenan gets talked about constantly on this program because he is somebody who is a stat icon and just even when he has like not a great night statistically It's a night that someone else would envy because he's so high on the power rankings and screen time week to week. So um, just to point out what Victoria said, this was Keenan's second lowest of the year. He had two minutes 30 with Bad Bunny. That was following a 10-minute episode with Pete. So right off the bat, we had a ton of Bowen and Pete. um, Sorry, Bowen and Keenan with Pete. And then, yeah, Keenan hasn't exceeded six minutes yet um, this season. Which is other than that one I mentioned. So that is interesting that Keenan has definitely been in the background more, or has had like his one sketch, and that's kind of you know, and that's it. So uh, Mikey, Heidi, Bowen have really had more of these huge episodes. Dismukes had a huge one with Momoa, and Sarah Sherman with Bargazzi. So those are some that stand out. But I'm asking you, Gary, is have we seen enough Keenan at this point? Is he just so? so part of the fabric of SNL that you can't picture without him at this point. And, and, you know, season 30s and 40s and going into 50s. What what is your take on this? Because I'm very polarizing with the community on my Keenan takes because I love Keenan, but I'm also like, no one's bigger than the show. So someone who's looking back at the first five seasons of SNL that don't feature Keenan. What do you think?
2: You know, I think Keenan is such a I mean, he's become such a staple on the show and he's such a solid sketch player and he's kind of I mean, I think he's kind of like the glue that I feel like he is pulling back on his screen time and kind of you know, he's he's such a good team player that I feel like he's propping up the others uh that he's on screen with. So, I I love Keenan. I don't want to see Keenan go. I think uh, he will stay for season 50 for no other reason than it's season 50. Um, but I think he sees that and kind of sees his role in the show as now the elder statesman and like helping the younger cast, you know, find their voices. And, you know, he's kind of taken a back seat to them, I think, in, in some ways. But also he's there to support them in sketches when he when he's on screen.
1: Yeah, great point. It's something that we've been looking at for a long time. Now that I have over 104 episodes of stats in the can is trying to use stats to understand, demystify SNL and also be able to predict, you know, kind of like a a Vegas bookmaker, you know, I kind of can feel maybe what's going to happen or just have a least educated guess. Would you say that Keenan being a little bit in the back seat this season has been a conscious effort by the show or just something that's happened through writing and just the host so far we've only seen seven episodes
2: i i mean i think it's a combination of the hosts and and uh, younger hosts for the most part but also the the step forward in the cast as well like you know bowen in the last three years or whatever has taken a lot of steps forward and has taken a lot of those roles that He can, he can own the sketch now. And Mikey Day is another one who he has, you know, I'm actually surprised he didn't have more screen time this week, even though he was what the fourth most, um, because I feel like Mikey's in a lot to kind of, again, be that straight man in the sketch and let people play off of him. And, but I think Keenan is also finding that he's not hitting that voice with the younger, uh, hosts that we have now. And, and I mean, the younger writing staff too, right? like, he's, been on the show for as long as some of these writers and other cast members or they were in like elementary school when he started. So, yeah, you mentioned
1: that, you know, uh, Keenan's age versus some younger hosts. Do you think his age shows at all? Because, you know, they, and, uh, Chalamet's monologue, he came out as the original baby face. And of course he is, he doesn't age, but as far, you know, he is, I was looking at a stat. I think when, when it's new year's Eve this year, So in a few weeks from now, he will be as old as Phil Hartman was on his final show, meaning when SNL comes back on January 20th of 2024, he will go up in the rankings as oldest cast member. He'll be up with uh, Daryl Hammond and George Coe, and he'll be in in that company, Leslie Jones. So I think Keenan might be fourth or fifth. I'll check. I'll I'll say it when we come back after the break um, and after New Year's. But... Do you think that Keenan seems like he can? I mean, he plays every kind of role. But do you think he's he looks older compared to the cast
2: now, or it's just Keenan being Keenan? I don't. I mean, I wish Keenan and I are roughly the same age, and I wish I looked as good as Keenan. Like he he is ageless, and he is the original baby face. But I think just like he's also open to. I mean, he's so good at playing any role he needs to, whether it's an older person or a younger person, he can do it all. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I see a good comment from Ken in the chat about Kenan um, is the guy they bring out when they are worried they won't have laughs otherwise. And this cold open last week might have been the best example because at least audience in the studio wise, and at least in my living room, that's where the laughs came from, where Keenan being the president of University of Phoenix Online. Um, Victoria, is there anyone else here that you want to talk about or a performance that you enjoyed before we move on?
0: I'm gonna say the thing I've been repeating for seven episodes, I think, on on this show is more punky Johnson, and that's all.
1: Yeah, so we've been uh we've been high on Punky. I mean, we're always high on Punky, but this season, <laughs> um, slow start, 32 seconds with Pete, and then three minutes eighteen, Bad Bunny, about a little under three minutes with Bragazzi, three and a half with Chalamet, that was Punky's highest down with momoa at a minute 13 up to 201 with emma and then um, punky's lowest of the season this week with 26 seconds so you know can't win them all but yeah it is I'll, it is sad be, when you,
0: well no i was just gonna say i'll be happy when i see punky in that three minute mark or higher consistently so yeah
1: and to be honest i'm not sure we will get that just the nature of um punky's uh utility in the show and i to be honest i mean as someone who loves stats as much as me i'm not sure punky needs that to be successful on the show i've compared a lot to melissa via senor because their stats line up a lot um just a lot of similarities there but punky is somebody who can get one line two lines and own the stage so i'm definitely not worried about punky but i agree victoria i would love to see more like punky lead sketches as well Mm -hmm. in addition to a good throwaway which i've mentioned a lot with longfellow that he gets that type of thing too these days and last week on the show we actually did a lot of michael longfellow stats and followed his career and we looked at his contemporaries the, the rookies of the past five years going from 44 to now and yeah it took punky johnson 32 episodes to get her first um like dominant screen time episode and that was the longest by by far more than Lauren Holt Aristotle Sarah JJ and anybody so interesting but as uh, Victoria mentioned earlier it is December 13th which is the birthday of Taylor Swift so I thought I'd look back at SNL history and uh, Victoria can you give me some some time travel sound effects? what do you got ooh mm. All right, love it. Okay, so (laughs) looking back in SNL history, um, the shows that have happened on this date, first one I love, and I can't wait to talk to Gary about it, because it is Season 1, Episode 7, the infamous and fantastic Richard Pryor episode. I know you've covered it, Gary. What stands out from that episode, December 13th,
2: 1975? I mean, this was one of the really breakout episodes of the show of the of the life of the show, right? Uh you bring in Richard Pryor, who is larger than life at this point uh in the world, and he does an all-time sketch with Chevy Chase uh that just stands apart about of of how willing they were to take risks at the time. Um it really was kind of a seminal moment in the show establishing itself as uh as a unique voice in culture at the time it was it's an amazing episode uh if you haven't seen it i highly suggest going back and watching it um and then listening to Brad and i break it down because there was a lot there that we went through and just there's so much to take in uh he was he was excellent he played really well with the cast. He had a lot of he did he did a bunch of stand-up. And then there are a lot of strange things in that episode too that you you would never see today. Like his ex-wife does a monologue, and it's it's kind of confusing as to why. But um it's it's an amazing episode. And really it was it was Lauren and and the cast taking risks. And and I believe it was the only or maybe one of two episodes that was actually uh delayed because the network was so afraid of what he may or may not say on live television. So yeah, it's, it's a great episode.
1: And what's this sketch with Chevy that you're referring to? Because I think I know what it is. And Rolling Stone in 2014, ranked it the 10th greatest SNL sketch of all time.
2: Yeah, uh, it's the job interview sketch where uh, Richard is, Chevy is interviewing Richard for a job and they, they do word association. Uh, is the name of the sketch, and it is outstanding. Yeah, it's one of the best sketches of all time.
1: And of course, can't clip a lot from that um, from <laughs> no, that sketch. Can. Um, but you I know, can, the,
0: can I do a? I can I say a line from it?
1: Uh, it's, of it's course, I mean, it's, <laughs> I say yes. Not it's not my mind. show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ready, honky, honky, Oops, that's it.
1: <laughs> and then we have um, the final line from that episode, from that sketch, which was...
2: Dead Hunk.
1: <laughs> so that's yeah. uh, maybe one of the biggest laughs of, of see, that season one or of all time. Like, the crowd erupts. I did a stat the first episode of this season uh, measuring the audience uh, sound levels. And I think if I did it for that episode or even if I did it for all episodes, that would be huge because you can hear there the crowd goes crazy. Uh, a couple more things from that season one episode because I think it's so important that I have to spend more time on it. Is it was the first time in SNL that someone said live from New York other
2: than Chevy Chase? Um, do you remember who it was, Gary? I I do. It was it was well, Garrett says it right uh, in this episode. Yeah.
1: So yeah, in season one, Chevy Chase started doing the Falls and yelling live from New York at Saturday Night, a tradition that's. Stood the test of time, and th- he did it every episode that season except this one and one other one where sitting president Gerald Ford delivered those words. But I wanted to um, play Garrett saying it because I think it's such a cool moment deconstructing SNL, even in episode seven. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! So that's Garrett Morris right there. And then we had the first appearance on Weekend Update of Gilda Radner's Emily Latella. So, like Stefan, she did appear in a sketch earlier, but then moved to the update desk, where she appeared 22 times in the first three seasons. So, Gary, you're going to be seeing a lot of Emily yeah. Um She's, of course, known for uh, this catchphrase. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, we love Gilda. Um, and then we're going to move on to Eddie Murphy's first appearance as a cast member, 1980, December 13th. So, of course, Eddie popped on update the week before, was hired and brought into the cast with uh, Matthew Lawrence and Patrick Weathers. And that was an episode hosted by Jamie Lee Curtis with musical guest James Brown. So, Gary, I don't know. I am have to convince you to cover season six when you and Brad are all done because that's a crazy season. And Eddie comes in and Piscopo stays with them, and the show goes on in the post-Dumanian uh, era.
2: Yeah, yeah. Brad and I have talked about that. Like, do we want to keep doing this and, and go on into that? So I'm, I'm excited to see if we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting. Uh, Victoria, have you watched any uh, Eddie Murphy on SNL from those years?
0: I sure have. Um, yes.
1: <laughs> Favorite Eddie character on SNL?
0: Oh man. Um I'm gonna have to say not Mr. Rogers. What is it? Mr. Called? Robinson. Mr. Robinson. That's yeah, I, I same for me. My favorite. And I remember watching it when I was younger, thinking it was just like Mr. Rogers and being very shocked and surprised by the content. So and then I Yeah, it.
1: one that he brought back. Um, Eddie hosted the Christmas episode a few years ago, brought back Velvet Jones, Mr. Robinson, and Gumby. Mm-hmm. So he had brought back some of those iconic characters. That was all. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Gail Mathias, who did her Brooke Shields, Calvin Klein parody three times episode. We've talked about uh, on this on the SNL how we, we wish SNL would do more runners when they would do like little sketches. So, Gary, I'm sure you've seen a lot of those because they would do these things. I think they did like the police lineup in the prior episode and they would do these quick things that would recur and just make sense for that one show. They would never come back. Like we never saw Gail Mathias play Brooke Shields again, but they were doing these Calvin Klein ads. They called them, "Cloven um, hind jeans.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love runners um, when runners work. Yeah. They're excellent. When runners don't work, then it's a bummer, but when they work, it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, there was uh in the Kelsey episode last season they had James Austin Johnson doing his kind of uh Michael McDonald singing sketch, Walked from the Corner, and I think it was at, at Dress they they after after Dress they cut it, but he, he re he appeared on the update desk as that character, and I think everyone was like, I wish they did that because it just kind of an homage to uh, to the days of your of SNL. Um all right, so we also had Steve Gutenberg and the pretenders. Uh, Dana Carvey came back as Derek Stevens. That was in 86. We had Delicious Dish with Helen Hunt in 97. And then in 2003, so 20 years ago, Elijah Wood, hot off the Lord of the Rings trilogy, hosted. And I had to pull this clip because Chris Kattan got a mention in Adam Driver's monologue. And Chris Kattan came back for the Elijah Wood show as none other than Gollum in the monologue. And pulling this clip, I was thinking, Chris Katana's golem sounds a lot like SNL Twitter, and you'll find out why.
0: Gollum loves the Saturday Night Lives. This is <laughs> no. Golem hates the Saturday Night Lives.
1: Sis. So yeah, that's uh, that's Chris Kattan doing SNL Twitter right there. He ha- he loves SNL and he hates SNL. <laughs> um, yeah, so we Chris Kattan shout out and. You know, I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see. I wish it were Christmas today, but I don't see that ever again. But I do love that song. And then, last but not least, it was Amy Poehler's final episode as a cast member. Fifteen years ago, so feel old yet? It's been fifteen years since Amy Poehler was a cast member at SNL. Um, her final sign-off was on update, and we had Fred Armisen as Governor Patterson walking in right in front of the camera, and that was you know, his kind of goodbye to Amy. Victoria, where it is. Is Amy Poehler on your Women of SNL, Mount Rushmore?
0: Of course. She's, I, you know, I said this on actually the SNL Hall of Fame podcast that she, Tina Fey, among others, paved the way for folks like me. Her gals, I should say, like me to, to pursue our dreams in comedy too. So she, Amy, Gilda, no, I'm sorry, her, Tina, Gilda, are, are on there
1: all right well he gave me three i gotta ask for one more then to complete the mount rushmore
0: that one's Wait. hard because tina
1: gilda amy and
0: um i do have a rotation of the fourth it's going to be sherry or terry anna gas dyer or molly shannon that that rotate in and out
1: all right it's a, it. it's a
0: big cost for the taxpayers but what are you gonna do
1: Oh, I do have one more actually, um, just because it's, it's thematic for the time of year. 2014, Martin Freeman, that was season 40. And we had, um, we had the best of times and worst of times with Keenan because that was the first appearance of my personal least favorite Keenan character, Treese Henderson, who came back with Emma Stone. But we also got this character:
2: Everybody's getting something. Everybody's getting something.
1: Something Claus. With, that was Keenan. Um, so I was happy to, happy to uh, grab that clip today. All right, we're going to go. I don't know if I should be nervous or not, but Victoria is going to host her third edition of SNL by the Numbers Trivia to really see how closely you watched the Adam Driver-Rodrigo episode. What should we expect, Victoria? Should, I be, should you be on a uh, five-second delay like prior? Probably.
0: <laughs> Uh, you should expect sugar, spice, and mostly everything nice.
1: All right, I'll I'll, I'll take that.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited.
1: Again, um, Gary and I have not seen these questions. We're seeing them now. Question one, Victoria, take it away.
0: Question one: In the cold open, what was the next segment called? A. Is it is Taylor Swift dating George Santos? B, is Taylor Swift dating Mark, Marco Rubio? C, is Taylor Swift dating Ron DeSantis? Or D, is Taylor Swift dating Chris Christie?
1: All right, I'm going to answer on this one first. I do know the answer. And as the Swifty of the SNN, this joke, <laughs> I don't know if I was just had my Swifty hat on too tightly But I was like very shocked. SNL did this type of joke. First of all, shaky ass cold open to begin with. But this is like a really like a like a old hackneyed cliche Taylor joke. And she's such a friend of the show that I was really surprised they would take a shot at her like this. And no one's off limits, of course. But it's just such a old boring joke. And if you listen, go listen back no one in the audience laughed it's like we're so done with this kind of borderline misogyny against taylor with dating people so to suggest that she's dating any republican i guess is the joke i mean i'm, I'm there for that i understand what they're going for but yeah very uh, very weak take Gary, do you know
2: the answer i do yeah all right go for it i believe it was marco rubio
0: that is correct. Also, <sighs> go off King Mike. That's what I'm <laughs> talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all get right, a- Yes,
0: it was it was Marco Rubio whom she would never date. None of them really. None of them at all. But she already has a king and King and Kelsey. All right. Question all right. two. Question two. In the sketch, we're trying. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at my own question. <laughs> How many holes have they been trying in? A, 8. B, 7. C, 3. Or D, 5. They were trying in various holes. This is Adam Driver and Bowen Ying's characters. How many holes?
1: All right. The chat is is feverishly (laughs) yelling seven. um, But (laughs) I think that... They didn't try all seven. They they
2: they tried three uh, three out of seven.
0: Okay, Gary. Uh,
2: I'm gonna say seven. I thought it was seven.
0: It is in fact seven.
2: So they 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 tried
1: all seven.
0: Yeah, they made a reference to th- like three holes, but it wasn't. But they actually tried <laughs> seven.
1: <laughs> We're talking about the. Uh, famous Adam Sandler pre-tape of with back bend and holes, right?
0: Yeah. So just <laughs> yeah.
1: just for the just for the sponsors that's uh what we're referring to. Um no other no other holes. Okay, question yeah. number 3.
0: <laughs> what in uh what branch of the military did Walter, aka Adam Driver, serve in in that jokes TikTok sketch? Is it A, Marines, B, Coast Guard, C, Navy, or D, Army? Hint, it was on his hat.
1: Well, this is rough because I do know how many confirmed kills he has, but I don't know if I remember (laughs) the branch that he was in.
0: The confirmed kills was too easy.
1: I have 82 confirmed kills. Um, (laughs) Which, uh, honestly, that might be top three line of the night for me. I don't know how well received that pre-tape was, but I, I love that line and Adam <laughs> driver in, in the Walmart aisle. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I, I mean, Adam driver himself did serve um, mm-hmm. Gary. Do you know, do you know what branch um, that his character served in? Um, I know it's one of two, but I'll, maybe you
2: can help me narrow it down. I believe it was, the army, because I remember thinking Adam Driver was himself a Marine, and th- and that just caught my attention.
1: That that was my exact thought as well. So I, I I'm going to go
2: with I'm going to agree with Gary and go with army, Victoria.
0: An army would be correct.
2: <sighs> Can I tell you how nervous I was for this trivia beforehand? And, and,
0: <laughs> and getting
2: three right, I feel I feel very good right now.
0: <laughs> oh no, they didn't make it harder next week. <laughs> Question four. All right. Question four. How many kids did Keith, Adam Driver, have in Old Friends? Is it A, 600, B, not enough to be honest, C, 700, or D, 500?
1: All right. I haven't been on Netflix in a while, so I have not seen the doc yet, but it's on my queue. It's going to be hitting my mailbox soon enough because um, I still get Netflix in the mail. <laughs> I'm going to go with 600 to my guess. Gary? I, I agree. I think it's 600.
0: Uh, 600 is correct, but we would have also taken not enough to be honest. But it's.
1: <laughs> How many kids does big filthy have? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to make 30 K tonight? <laughs> oh my
0: God. <laughs> Maybe we'll be taxed.
1: Not from Big Filthy. He doesn't, he doesn't 1099. Okay. All right. Question five.
0: <laughs> All right. The final question. Oh, I'm so sorry um, to John for this question. But according to Michael Che during Weekend Update, Robert F. Kennedy was on Epstein's jet for what reason? a to make sure the rumors were true b to make sure the girls were vaccinated uh weren't vaccinated is what that's meant to say c to hang out with donald trump or d because that's just what rich people do
1: funny enough adam driver portrayed jeffrey epstein in the cold open last time he was at snl which i thought was great um just put Adam driver in like a black polo and he's walking through hell
2: and he's, he's Jeffrey Epstein. So I thought that was really funny. Um, Gary, you want to take this one? Uh, I I believe this one was to make sure the girls were not vaccinated.
0: Yes. Sorry. That was my fault. I should have written or not, but that may not be the right answer.
1: Well, either way he was, Checking if they were vaccinated. If they were not vaccinated, yeah. so it's semantics, really. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, that does it for the third edition of Victoria. That week <laughs> trivia about the show that you just watched. You <laughs> <laughs> did include some numbers in there, so maybe you were keeping it on theme.
0: Yeah. Next, I'll try to do more numbers.
1: We hey, have enough numbers on this show, I think. All right. So speaking of that, I thought, you know, we all love Jack Handy's deep thoughts, but what about Mike Murray's deep stats? So we're going to do some deep stats right now. Um, this was inspired by this week's roundtable um, so that John hosted on Monday night. And he had this idea about what makes Adam Driver a great host. And one of the reasons that the panel was coming up with is that he like really spreads the wealth Works with a lot of people in the cast and not maybe doesn't have like a favorite, and so I'm like, all right, how do I look at seven episodes this season and try to quantify who spreads the wealth the most? So I had a couple angles. They're all on the screen here on YouTube. If you want to check it out, uh, you know, go go to the link and see the graph in front of you. So my first inclination was I'm going to eliminate all segments this season that the host was not in because if you were on Weekend Update or Cold Open and there was no host, and you're obviously not working with the host, you're just racking up good screen time, and they're not there. So I eliminated those segments, and I looked at who was in the most with which host, and cross-examined that with a lot of other factors, trying to eliminate variables. So I ended up coming up with two stats for, to answer John's question, which were, what is the average cast member screen time in a given episode this season? And the results of that were Bad Bunny was number one with 3 minutes, 7 seconds. Again, no one this season has been shut out. So everyone has logged some screen time in every episode, even if it was like 7, 8 seconds. So Bad Bunny got the most out of the cast on average. Um, right behind him, Pete Davidson with 3 minutes, 6. So almost a tie there. Momoa with 3 minutes, 2. Adam Drive with 3 minutes, 1. Emma Stone, 2 minutes, 49. Chalamet and Bargazzi tied for last with the lowest Cassenberg average screen time with 234. So I figured that was one way to get the answer. So if you use that metric, Bad Bunny got the most on average from everybody else. But I think the crux of the argument was saying, does Adam Driver really star alongside someone? So if you know someone's appearing Frequently, but they're not. They're coming in and out. Then it might help everyone's average as a team get up, but it won't really tell me who in the cast is like starring alongside. So I figured I'd do I look at the top five screen time getters of the cast from each episode. So if you want to see who was the most in each one, you can look at the screen. And I looked at their combined top five total. So very convoluted deep stat, but. Other than the other than the convoluted aspect of it, it really did show that Adam Driver um, had a lot of starring roles alongside Cassimbers. His top five were Heidi, Mikey, Sarah, Bowen, and his muke's. And they totaled over 30 minutes as a team, a top five. That was behind um oh and sorry, in front of Bad Bunny, then Momoa and Pete, which were all in the twenty-sevens. Emma Stone at 26 minutes, 50 seconds, and then Chalamet and Bargazzi really low at 20 minutes. So, Victoria, do you have a guess of what screen time pairing host Kastenberg had the most screen time like together um, this season?
0: I think it's going to be Bad Bunny and Marcelo.
1: That's exactly who I thought you'd pick when we pre-show when I told you that's who I thought I was going to be. Gary, what about you? Was there a host and Casimber that you really thought was gonna be it?
2: That's exactly what I wrote down earlier because I thought that yeah, that was my guess. I'm not copying yeah. off of Victoria, I promise.
1: <laughs> Just changed it a little bit so we know it's not copying. Um, <laughs> So yeah, act great guess it was in the top 5, it was number 4. So Marcelo Hernandez and Bad Bunny had an overlap of 8 minutes 29 seconds in sketches that they shared. So not necessarily on screen at the exact second, but sketches and segments that they were in, they overlapped 8 minutes 29 seconds. Uh number 1 was also Bad Bunny. It was with Mikey Day. 9 minutes 20 seconds that they shared. So looking back on that episode, he was in the Explorer pre-tape with um, Bad Bunny, Marcello, and Fred Armisen. And then a, a extended sequence in the first sketch, the rap battle sketch. So those are two that came to mind for that. Number two and three make sense because it was the longest sketch of the season, the Shop TV Christmas. It was over six minutes. It's a long sketch. It was like the 25th or 6th longest sketch of the past 105 episodes. Over 6 minutes sketch, and it's not a debate sketch. That's pretty huge. So that's Heidi and Mikey with Adam Driver, nine minutes, 12, eight minutes, 34, respectively. Then Marcelo and Bad Bunny. And number five was Bowen and Jason Momoa. So I have everything over five minutes of synergy right there. And finally, to cap this off, I did do a ranking of cast members. Most screen time with the host. So if you're still with us on this deep stat, then that's what we have is Mikey Day. 35 minutes, 23 seconds. He's shared with a host of his screen time this season. Heidi Gardner, 33 minutes, 3 seconds. Bowen Yang, almost 31 minutes. Keenan, 29. Huge drop off. Marcelo, 22-47. Chloe, 21-38. And his muke's 21-20. So that is the all all the cast members this season who have had 20-plus minutes with a host. And I do like this stat. I'm glad I, I ran these numbers today just because I think this would be almost like the writer's room or Lawrence favorites right now. Because, Gary, would you agree that if you're getting time with the host, SNL is trusting you and thinking that you're going to prop them up?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right? You know... When you're, I mean, the writers are writing something for the host and they want it to go well, obviously. So they're throwing in the cast members that, it, that they think are going to bring the most to the host. And I think Mikey's a really great example of someone who can play that straight character to someone else being the zany character so that he's easy to plug in there for a lot of those uh, roles. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely high on the the writer's list of favorites.
1: Yeah, again, top five, Mikey, Heidi, Bowen, Keenan. So I think no one would be surprised there, but Victoria, you've been propping up Marcelo. He's a a featured player, and he's ahead of Chloe, JJ, Sarah Sherman, Diz so people that came before him, let alone his his fellow rookies. So what does that say about Marcelo this year? We know that he's had update this week, but that doesn't count for the staff because the host was not with him. So what can we say about Marcelo having the fifth most... Screen time with a host this season.
0: I think that just speaks to his talent. I've said he is a rising star and I think he has a solid future even after SNL. He's incredibly funny. He's down to play whatever and as he genuinely has a comedic brain, which just lends itself pretty well whenever he's on screen. So I'm actually not surprised that he's on this topless and beating out some some folks there. But yeah he's just he's always willing to do whatever it takes, and he's someone who's just like able to do more than one thing he has his niche thing that he's known for, but he can play a little bit more too so I can't wait to see what else is coming for him he's He's like one of my favorites at the moment,
1: yeah I think a lot of people share that opinion and i I might start using this stat because i just because i'm I'm trying to find Ways to really tap into what's going on at Dirty Rock and what how they're viewing what's going on. Of course, the empirical data that I collect is all in the power rankings. So that's kind of like the ball don't lie stat because it's just what you see is what that stat is going to give you. But this is a little bit more specific. I kind of equate it to a stat I talked about Longfellow last week that he had a really high percentage of his screen time was in prime time between cold open and weekend update. So this is another one that in tandem might kind of illuminate that because that's just I think exactly what I said. Get you know trusting that cast to lead that sketch. So if it's Adam Driver or Emma Stone, I don't think that they need a lot of help. But if it's a first time host, I'm sure that they want a Bowen, Heidi, or Mikey to be there to just keep the energy up and save the day if need be. And that's it's it's a big ask. You know, on live TV, but that's why these people are doing that job, and I'm doing this job. <laughs> um, so Gary, is what what last question is, what does it say about cast members who might be at the bottom of this list? And I don't mean that they're perfor- not, I'm not performing well, but let's say a JAJ or a Sarah who's actually doing well, um, they don't reflect in this stat, particularly, but so- maybe somebody who does their own thing more. I know JJ, uh, uh obvious take is that well, if he's doing Biden or Trump in the past couple of years, it's usually not with the host, so that makes sense, but I just want to, you know, maybe shed some light on cast members who might really anchor a uh, sketch without a host and is that
2: maybe even better or the same? Uh that's interesting because I think you look at someone like Sarah currently, or like Kyle Mooney before that kind of had their own sensibilities and, and, and wrote a lot of their own stuff or with another writer, right. But stuff for them. Uh, and sometimes like, you know, Sarah this week had that baby on the plane thing with, um, Adam driver. Right. And that was time, but most of the time she's writing things or thinking of things that are so out there, they don't necessarily need a host to be part of it. So they're kind of, I feel like sometimes they feel like long simmering, sketches that she may have been working on for a few weeks and it doesn't really matter who the host is and they just kind of plug them in somewhere as opposed to writing for an atom driver or a bad bunny or someone like that so i mean i think that's that's my thought process for someone like sarah uh sherman you know someone like punky i i, I don't know because i want her to get more of these uh you know, leading roles in sketches and kind of take these characters to the level that I think she can. And I think it's just kind of trying to find a way for some of these folks to break through with the writers. And I mean you kind of see it with Chloe Trost, right? Like she's chipping away at that and they're getting a sense of who she is and, and um how she can perform and what she can do. So I think sometimes, you know, it's just a matter of getting that that breaking through, I think, with the the other writers sometimes and that's how you see like uh marcello and and longfellow their their bits on weekend update i feel like have really helped them move forward and find their own voices so then people are more comfortable with them
1: great uh great take and mention. Uh, chloe trost appears twice on this graph and was the highest screen time getter in emma stone and Chalamet. So um and again, this is not total, this is just with the host. So of course, you know, we, we know why. The Mama Cast sketch with Emma Stone, Chloe Trost is on screen for ninety-eight percent of that sketch. And then the Moon sketch with Chalamet, um, she was on screen basically the entire thing as well. So that's that's huge for a rookie right there too, is and both of those sketches, especially the the Chalamet one, was truly like a back and forth uh tennis type of sketch where you're really playing off the other performer and not just taking the lead um and going crazy and letting the host react. Uh Victoria, you've done some sketch writing. How how would you feel if someone you never met before you heard, "Hey, they're going to be in the show this week. Um, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about them, but you know, you got to uh, you know, throw away your best material basically, write something for them." Is that just by nature take a lot more flexing of the sketch muscles than, say, using your own material that you're comfortable with? I mean, I think that's obvious, but I want to hear your take.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a lot of times if you're the one writing content material, you're writing from your POV, your experience, things you think are funny, so on and so forth. So to have someone you never met before, it's a a puzzle of trying to figure out what would make them comfortable what's something they can do well with, or maybe not even them specifically, but what's a role or a character that anyone can kind of jump into and make it funny. So it's the versatility of of your comedy too, that you really have to think about and and put the time into when you're developing a sketch. So, you know, for me personally, as I'm gradually getting more and more into writing, I've been mostly a performer up until the last couple of month, couple of months, but now I'm Getting my writing chops in, and which is great, it's going well. But I also now think about not just myself. I'm thinking about okay, who, what type of folks would I need to cast in this sketch with me? So it's it's a, it's a it's a puzzle piece, and I think it is. It speaks to your talent as a comedy writer, which we all know. Folks on SNL are writing for SNL are very talented, but it does speak to that if you're able to quickly on a whim throw something versatile or on the other hand, tailored to whoever's coming in based on what you know about them. So yeah, a lot, a lot goes into it. It's not easy and it's not easy to do it. (laughs) Week's notice.
1: Yeah. And a a personal taste question. Do you prefer when the, the writers get together and really frame the sketch around the either sensibilities or the personality of the host? Do you think that's the way to go? And again, speaking completely generally, or do Mm -hmm. you think that you go, I have a fire sketch right now. I just need someone to be, you know, woman number one or man number one. And if they are serviceable, the sketch is the sketch. Because I know we love both if they do well. And if they don't do Mm -hmm. well, we might not love them. But personally, do you think it's better for SNL to tailor sketches or to just focus on the material and hope that the host comes through?
0: I think... Oh, man, that's a great, good question. I think the show has to have both. You know, it's yes, it's about like, we love to center on the host, And I think there should be content that's based on the host, their capabilities. But then I think there should just be really good material that anyone can kind of step into. I think a really good example of that is I hate to say it, Kim Kardashian's episode from a couple of seasons ago. She played to her strengths in some, you know, they, she did that. It's the court knee, like the, you know, that she were Courtney, her sister, she was playing her sister and could play to that character that she knows really well. But then she did some other things that were, you know, very new to her. And I think she did really well. And well in that is actually one of my favorite episodes. I think it was my favorite episode of that season, but I, you know, don't hold me to it. But yeah, I I think it's just, it's a mix. I, yeah, you want to do one for me, one for you type of thing when it comes to writing.
1: Yeah, great point. And Gary, yeah. my follow up with you as someone who's deep in the weeds in the 70s of SNL, do you think, I just want to just pick your brain a little bit. When you look back at that not ready for primetime players era, do you think that the cast seen more of a team? than they do now or was it a lot of some of individuals because we had some huge names like Belushi, Aykroyd, Chevy and then we had supporting players Oh, I'll include Gilda in that list and then Lorraine and Garrett so like people that really didn't get to do lead stuff but were always in the mix and now compare it to season 49 if, if anything if I can simplify the question is what is the difference between cast dynamic from 19 19- 75 through 78 to 2019 to 2024.
2: Well, first of all there are a lot more cast members now than there were then, all right? We they were playing Ten with more. seven players. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, it's interesting because not everyone it's interesting the way you framed sorry, I'm I'm kind of stuck on the one piece where you were like uh and this this is true. You know, you had big personalities John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Gilda Radner, and, and big performers, right? Um, and then you have someone like Jane Curtin is someone who we continually point out on our show how great she is because she shows up in so many different roles, but she oftentimes is the straight performer to the zany character that Gilda brings, or John, or someone else. Um, and what I'm realizing looking at that is you you need those performers. And I think that's a that's a role that is is crucial in the show and has has um it's kind of morphed and and I think now the some of the players someone like a a Mikey or a Keenan even can play the straight character but also play these zany characters and not that Jane couldn't, but I feel like a lot of the characters back then or a lot of the the work that she was doing back then was was to help elevate those upfront players. They also were loud voices. You know, it wasn't I think the cast now seems to have a lot more camaraderie, I think. Um whereas and and again we're looking we're looking back in, you know, 49 years or whatever, and we have all this hindsight and all these books that have been written in interviews and everything. So we know now that Jane Curtin and John Belushi did not get along. Um and sometimes you can see it on screen and sometimes they actually played really well together. Um now, it, it almost seems unfathomable that five years from now we would hear that two cast members d- didn't get along at all backstage, right? And I think there's a lot of that. Um, it feels like there's because there's more exposure, I guess, outside of just the show for folks that they are more willing and and able to help each other and prop prop each other up in sketches. It seems it feels less cutthroat now than it probably was. 40 years ago.
1: I mean, for sure, because this back then they're like, I think Gary's alluding to that there, there wasn't avenues outside of maybe live performing. And I mean, live, like you go in person to see sketch or stand up. So your screen time on this show was basically it. So you can't just be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I have a movie on Amazon coming out, so I'll, I'm fine if I miss a couple episodes. Or I'm, you know, going to New Zealand to the film a Tiger King show, but you know I'll be back with Billie Eilish. <laughs> so things like that, were definitely give more uh, just leeway to people to maybe not be as cutthroat. But one of the genesis, the, the, the genesis of this podcast, you know, SNN originally called SNL Stats, was because it, it does feel like a live sport. It really is. If you are in that room and you're you're giving 110% writing your material, like you want it to make air. So that spirit of the show has not left.
2: Would you agree, Gary? Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. Um, I think it is... There, it's also you're working for uh, an established show at this point, whereas back then they were literally fighting to stay on the air. So there was a lot more at stake, I think, for everyone in the building rather than just now you want your sketch to get on because if you don't perform well they're not going to bring you back next season and so there's that level of you know desire and anxiety that the performers have and i think 45 50 years ago they were dealing with that on a much larger scale so everyone was just like got to make sure the props are right the sound is right and all of that so it's it, there's a lot definitely
0: victoria i was i was going to ask Mike, you brought up a good point that there weren't any, many, I should say, avenues outside of the show for these folks to get screen time. Do we think, A, that's why we probably have over double the cast members today? And B, do we think that's a better dynamic for the show to have more cast members with maybe less screen time versus having our staple five that we see consistently throughout the episode?
1: I think... The correct answer is that the show has gone on long enough to be the powerhouse of late-night television that it is, that just everything gets bigger as far as the crew and the budgets and everything. So that makes sense. But also, SNL has done the right thing, in my opinion, and just realizing that they need more diversity to just cover more material. So you just can't have, okay, three dudes, three gals, let's do a sketch where you guys... You know, or having dinner, and that's that's the sketch because they now have the ability to make transform these performers into literally anyone. And the film unit is off the charts; they can recreate movies and TV and recreate the sets and everything. So I think that not only does it give them more freedom if someone does leave um, for a week, which you know honestly doesn't happen that often. It just in the past era, uh, some of the stars have stayed on long enough that they were big enough to get jobs outside the show but i think that having you know 18 19 and now 17 cast members this season is just because the show they don't want the show to get stale they want people to bring new ideas whether they come from a diversity standpoint or just because we don't want to get stale standpoint so i think that's that's my answer anyway gary do you have anything on victoria's great question
2: no, I, I, I think the diversity plays a huge role in this, right? Um, I also think the you know, in the in the early years of the show, Lauren's, Lauren wanted people to get to know the cast members so that they felt comfortable with them and then they would want to see them on camera. And you would know he also didn't like makeup and prosthetics and stuff, right? So you knew that was Chevy Chase playing Gerald Ford because he looked just like Chevy Chase and talked like Chevy Chase. Um and now they're trying to you know raise that level of performance and and hide not hide, but make the characters come to life I think more than the performers necessarily. You still have that like Marcelo comes on and does that great bit about his uh upbringing this week, but I think the smaller casts uh rely so heavily on strong very very strong performers so you have like the cast in the mid-70s and then the mid-80s too with Dana Cartman uh, Dana Carvey Phil Hartman John Lovitz that crew Jan Hooks Um, they were all so strong and not that we there aren't strong performers now but it's like you don't rely so heavily on those strong performances for every sketch and i think it's it's nice that you don't see someone in the comments said you you don't get sick of performances or performers necessarily uh, i think that's true and that's nice because you know you can see mikey day for 8 minutes on screen but it's you know if there're only seven cast members that would be 18 minutes of of mikey every week right so i think there're pros and cons to both ways but i think the larger cast definitely fits with what the show is and needs to be today
1: well said. And I don't. there's no chance we ever go back to that. So this is just what the show has been and will continue to be. And yeah, it's because they just have, they're, they're a machine. There's so much they can do. And also just the time crunch. I mean, we everyone knows that it's so maybe overstated, but I think it's understated at the same time that they are showing up, writing, doing a table read, and then creating. This is after Wednesday night, so usually when we're doing this show live for you Wednesday night, they're they're posting the table read photos. So that means that they are deciding as we podcast for you guys what will be in the running for the show, and that means so many behind the scenes things. Of course, I don't have to list them, but it also just means that they have to divide and conquer a little at, at some point. They have to say, Punky and Mikey, you're gonna go work with this and. Chloe Trost, Devin, and uh, Bowen are going to go over here. So you're also going to get less recurring stuff for that reason. So looking back on that prior episode I mentioned earlier, it was the first appearance of John Belushi's Samurai, which we saw a ton. And I mentioned Gilda's character. We saw 22 times an update in three years. So you're going to get less of that, but I think I'm so glad Gary brought up that Lauren wanted people to feel comfortable. So you can't re-watch it on YouTube, so if you're going to tune in live to the show, you are you like to see a familiar premise, a familiar face, and familiar characters. So we're going to look at where the state of Season 49 is. As always, we wrap up with the Power Ranking. Victoria, tell the people who's, who's, who's leading the cast right now.
0: I sure can do that for you, sir. All right. Number one, Mikey Day at 108.4. Then we have Bowen Yang at 96.2, Queen, Heidi Gardner at 93.8, Colin Jose at 86.4, Kenan Thompson hanging into that top five spot at 76.4. We have another Queen, Agawodom at 68.7, followed by James Austin Johnson at 62.9, Chloe Fineman at 59.3. Marcelo Hernandez, aka Little Prince, at fifty nine point two. Then we have Michael Che at fifty seven point one, Andrew Smukes at fifty two point six, Sarah Sherman at fifty one point eight. Newbie, last to last to join, but not last on this list, Chloe Trost at thirty nine point four, Punky Johnson at thirty eight point six, Michael Longfellow at thirty seven point three. Devin Walker at 35.4. And Molly Carney last, but definitely, certainly not least, at 23.2. I'd like to call out that 23 is Michael Jordan's number, so still solid. He didn't have the point two. He didn't have that point two, so doing better than that.
1: <laughs> All right, Gary, first time getting a look at the signature stat of By the Numbers, um original to this this program so what do you think when you see all the stats from their shows and then averaging out into one number to assign thus far
2: it's you know we were just talking about the size of the cast and as i read down this list i'm there are numerous people that i'm like oh i want them to be higher oh i want her to be higher I want him to be higher like i that just speaks to how strong i think this cast is overall um it it does kind of break my heart a little bit that I see uh, Devin and Molly down there at the bottom because I I like them. Um, I'm I'm curious though, Mike. I don't totally understand how you come up with these numbers. Um, can can you explain that real quick for me? I'm sorry. Uh,
1: I can explain it real quick. I'll work on. It. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's uh, a stat that combines two principal stats which everyone can agree on which are undebatable. They're just, do you appear on the show? And if you do, for how long? So I every week, I record the screen time of each individual and when they appeared on the show. And I also classify their appearance as an A, a B, a C, or a D. And that's not my grade of their performance. It's just, I remember starting this and thinking it would be hard to do this all the time, but it really makes sense when you know SNL the formula of which it's made, of having the A role, the lead of a sketch. They're usually on screen for most of it, honestly, and they either are the facilitator, the um, keeping the pace of the sketch, or they're the main focus of the sketch. A B is basically anyone who's not an A or a C, meaning that they're a supporting role. A C is a designation for someone who is a non-speaking role, or they come in and leave immediately just somebody who's more of a background person who doesn't really contribute to the to the goal of the sketch i should say and finally d is an off-screen role so someone who's not physically in it um so that would be a voiceover or they they use like a still image so you didn't actually you weren't actually acting in the sketch so voiceovers snl does a lot so an a role Counts for three points, a B roll two, a C roll one, and D is a 0.5. I add up all of the roles of that episode and then assign them a percentage of that total. So if there's a lot of A roles in that episode, you getting one of them isn't as valuable as getting a, a huge featuring, starring role in an episode that only has a couple of those. So most, you know, after all, Usually, there's about 60 to 80 appearances in an episode of SNL. So, but the quality of the role matters to me because of what I just said. So, the, lastly, there's some bonus points in there for a recurring role. You get a 0.5 bonus to your appearance score. If you have a recurring role, appear as yourself or say live from New York. We've kind of deemed those as important, significant things to achieve on SNL. If you're Pete Davidson coming in as yourself an Update, it's an A role, and you're appearing as yourself. The same as if you appear... Uh, Kate McKinnon had a million recurring roles. as Giuliani, Jeff Sessions, Hillary Clinton. So those count because you want your role to come back. Finally, I take your percentage of screen time and your percentage of the appearance total and average those two numbers. And that's what you get for this final number. Hope that was a good explanation, Gary.
2: That was a great explanation. Uh, you, I would love to see your spreadsheet with all the math sometime, but 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 I understand it much better now, so thank you. Um, Anytime. I think what stands out to me really is just kind of like the – I like how you did this with the colors, too, because it helps to visualize it, right? And there's so – such a widespread of, of dark greens, uh, even lower, right? Like Longfellow has, is it ninety one for the Emma Stone episode and Dismukes for the Momoa episode? It's really, I mean, you can see how everyone's getting their time more or less. Um, some, you know, some folks I would really like to see get some more time, like Devin and, and Molly, and we talked about Punky. Same thing, you know. I think um, it is impressive to see Chloe Trost up at number 13 already in her, you know, seven shows in. So yeah, this is, this is fascinating.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Victoria, do you have something to say?
0: I was going to say, first and foremost, shout out to Mike <laughs> for, for the brain that you have, for the willingness to do it and for actually doing it for everybody who watches this and just everyone at home Cut. Uh no but this is um it's interesting to look at this as a whole cuz again i was surprised that marcelo wasn't number 1 on that bad bunny i don't think i ever truly caught that before um but i think the numbers don't lie and it just kind of this for me from a creative standpoint helps me think oh hey this person doesn't need as much time to make an impact if, if that makes sense. So that's out of all the numbers and I'm scared of numbers, but that's what that calls out to me (laughs) creatively is, wow, I thought I had way more of this person. Turns out they're just, they're just an energy. They're just a vibe on screen and it, and it shows very strongly.
1: No, that makes perfect sense. And I think as the SNL stat guy, I, I'm, I'm pleased when the results prove themselves. But I'm also maybe more pleased when they don't because I think they're more interesting for the podcast. So I, I like when we, we we Victoria reads the screen time and everyone's like, oh, of course, Bowen, he was George Santos in the cold open. Of course, he has more screen time. But sometimes you see it just kind of highlights the opposite, which is I mentioned earlier about Punky Johnson, Michael Longfellow, uh, individuals who may appear for a very short time but they might have been your favorite part of the episode. So isn't that cool? Like, it's not only about because I'm I can't come up with an algorithm that det- determines funny. I know the uh, I, I'm not the tosh three thousand. You know, <laughs> shout out to Aristotle. Uh, so this this is this is what I can do is give you give you guys uh, peer behind the curtain of what you're actually seeing because we're all watching, we're all enjoying. So this is the con- companion podcast to go to and see what's actually happening like you know expectation versus reality sure but also reality versus hard numbers which is I guess reality versus reality so again the top five were Mikey Day, Bowen, Heidi, Colin and Keenan bottom five were Chloe who was ahead of people that she's been here you know less time than it was Chloe, Punky, Longfellow, Devin and Molly final question before we wrap up tonight Gary, do you see anyone that's maybe in the bottom half making a 2024 comeback to getting in the top 10 or top 8?
2: Ooh, I feel like uh top 10 or top 8, that's a maybe top 10. Um you know, I, in the bottom 5, you said, I'm sorry. Uh just yeah,
1: someone who's at the bottom half, maybe and I'm um, I'm assuming you pick from the middle, you get a better chance of success that way. But someone who might climb from, you know, the middle to the from the low middle to the high middle, because I don't assume Mikey, Bowen, Heidi, Joe, or Keenan will fall bottom ten by any means. Yeah.
2: No, I mean I think I would not be surprised if Andrew Dismukes uh takes huge strides later this season again i think it depends on the host and everything but but he's the one that i think i could see moving up uh p- potentially ahead of you know marcello and jaj J. i could see that i think this Mukes is somebody that we've kind of
1: realized through stats is a very host dependent cast member where i think he puts a lot of his eggs into one basket with like look at the beep peep sketch if that didn't make air and we you know we all have no idea that that sketch ever existed his numbers would be low so if his his lead sketch makes air of course he's going to have better numbers but i think he's a unique voice and a strong writer who will rely on his own sensibilities and might not write a lot of like down the middle vanilla sketches that would be a little safer for the host. So he had a huge event with Michael B. Jordan that episode last season. So he had he had two big sketches with him and uh, writing and starring in. So I think that's a good take. And um, yeah, Victoria, I know that you're, you're pulling for Punky, but anyone else?
0: I think with the way things are going, I see Chloe Trost climbing up this list very quickly. And and good for her. And then I also think, man, maybe Longfellow going up a little bit, at least to like the quote bottom middle. But you never know. I thought I thought this list would look differently, but and on
1: that note, I mean I've been I've talked about going all in. I've been pushing my chips to the middle of the table on this take from summer that Jost and Shay. Their last episode is on Saturday. So I, it's now time to put up or shut up with my take because we're going to find out. I, ho- I hope we get a great joke swap. I'm sure Kate will say live from New York and she'll get that much closer to Daryl Hammond's record for most live from New York's. She'll have some recurring characters. It's going to be a great Christmas episode. Her and Billy Eilish had a great synergy when, they came, when Kate came back uh, a couple of years ago in season 47. So it's going to be a great show. And I, that's my prediction anyway, but to Victoria's point, if, if someone like maybe Michael Longfellow becomes an update anchor, then he's going to shoot up the rankings because he'll have at least like five, six minutes of dedicated screen time and one a role per night, at least and appear as himself, which you get that little, that bonus bump, you know? So, Kate McKinnon, Billy Eilish, next week. Gary, are you excited? Do you are, you are you as excited for current SNL as you are for old SNL?
2: <laughs> I am. I I always love Christmas episodes, so I'm always excited for those, and I'm excited for Kate and Billy Eilish. Yeah, super excited. Awesome, Victoria. What about you?
0: I'm very excited. I love to see Kate coming home. So wish she never left. But what are you gonna do?
1: Well, it's you know. Uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. So,
0: sure I think
1: there were a lot of people a little tired of Kate because, as I don't think SNL had a Kate problem, but when I was doing stats for the Kate seasons, I, I've even referred to them as McKinnon numbers because somebody who really dominated the show even more than Keenan, as far as uh, the A role is considered and screen time and live from New Yorks and all that. So I'm, I'm super excited. We got one more by the numbers next week, Wednesday. Victoria will be here before maybe she says goodbye to us for a little bit. Um, so sad face for that because you're not, if you're not watching with me. Uh, but SNN has a lot of great coverage coming up. So uh, you could say.
2: Everybody's getting
0: some.
1: So if you like by the numbers, that'll be back. Hot take show. After the Kate McKinnon-Billy Allers episode, Roundtable Monday night, there's a new SNN draft in, in the uh, in the makings. And then the top 50 SNL-Castember countdown will conclude by the end of the year. So we'll see who that top three is. Gary, thank you so much for being on my show. It was great having you. Um, I hope you come back. Tell us what you got going on with your podcast and why people should check it out if they haven't already
2: uh well mike thank you for having me thank you victoria this was great i had a lot of fun um we are so i'm the co-host of a podcast called the not ready for prime time podcast where we do a deep dive on the first five seasons of snl in chronological order uh yesterday we just dropped season two episode 11 and actually tomorrow we're dropping a bonus episode because we have a surprise announcement. So. Uh, Look us up then and find out what's going on. That'll be fun.
1: Awesome. Great show. Please check it out. Especially if you haven't seen those shows, it's a great way to watch the old episodes and then have that companion podcast to go listen to right right away, hear Gary and Brad's thoughts on it and just get some good context because a lot of those those references and jokes are a lot funnier if you know what the hell they're talking about. So it's a great podcast to listen to if you want to go back and check out the golden era of SNL, and Victoria Frenzo. Love having you by my side. Um, what can you tell the people to check out for you?
0: I love being up by your side. You're you're a great host. You're a phenomenal mathematician, um, and just a solid friend. But uh, you can find me here next week. Uh, I don't think for the last time, but you never know. The economy. Uh, you can also find me at the Hot Take Show this Saturday night, and then. And the new draft thing that's happening with this, with uh, SNL network, SNN network, I'll be part of that as well. So prepare to get sick of me. And then in real life, if you're in Chicago, starting January's, I'm performing at the I.O. theater as part of Malarkey Comedy, uh, Wednesday nights. So, but don't skip this show for it. Watch this first, then come on by.
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, we have one last by the numbers of 2023 next week. So for Gary Seath, for Victoria Franco, for me, for us, what feels good for now, for us, is to say goodnight. So thank you so much. We'll see you soon.